On the evening of 12th June 1994, O.J. Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ron Boardman, were stabbed to death outside of Brown's Brentwood, California. Their murders and the subsequent arrest of the former NFL star ignited a series of events that in America's legal system and media had never seen before. Welcome, Monaral. We welcome you to this episode of the Connectors podcast, which will give you a highlight of the O.J. Simpson case. So, let me give you a picture of what exactly happened on the day on which the murder took place. So, after attending her daughter's dance recital, Brown has dinner with her friends and family at the Brentwood restaurant Mazaluna, where Goldman works as a waiter. Nicole's mother accidentally left her eyeglasses at the restaurant and Goldman volunteers to stop by Brown's house to drop them off. It was rumored that Goldman and Nicole were very close friends and and in the past few years had even become closer. Later on, even a sign was posted outside Mazaluna reading, Don't forget your sunglasses. So coming back to the case, Brian Klein, who was Simpson's house guest at his rock bottom mansion just a couple of miles down the lane from Brown's home, he heard a thumping sound on the opposite side of the wall and goes outside to rest. It's around 10.50 p.m. that the neighbor spots Nicole's dog, Akita, by itself, barking with bloody paws. At around 11, Waiting since 10.25, limousine driver Alan Park sees O.J. exit his house. A few minutes later, Park drives Simpson to Los Angeles airport for his flight to Chicago. O.J.'s house was around 6 minutes away from Nicole's. It's around 11.45 p.m. that O.J. takes off for Chicago. It was after that that Akita led neighbors to dead bodies of both Goldman and Nicole. Police arrives at the spot of the murder and start their investigation. It was around 4.30 in the morning that police reached Sam Simpson's house to find blood-stained, stock, blood-stained socks of Miss Nicole and blood-stained blood, one hand of which was found near Goldman's body. When informed that his wife had been killed, Simpson did not ask how, when, or by whom. He did, according to his later testimony, smash a glass in grief, badly cutting his left hand. After hearing the news, OJ returned to his mansion where he was handcuffed and then taken to the police station where he was questioned for hours. Simpson had initially promised the police that he'll surrender, but when on 17th of June, the police reached his mansion so as to take him into custody, they didn't find anyone there. He was later spotted of the freeway driving his white Bronco with his friend Al Cowlings in the driver's seat. Fans began to line the freeways to cheer him on as helicopters followed Simpson's car. An estimated 95 million people watched the 60-mile pursuit on TV, famously interrupting the broadcast of NBA Finals. Simpson ultimately surrendered at his house a little before 9 p.m. He was arrested and thrown into jail without bail. Now the case is taken into court where Simpson pleads 100% not guilty. A jury selection process was initiated where the initial jury was selected and was made up of four males and eight females. 
eight of the jurors are black, one Hispanic, one white person, and one of mixed race. The jury is kept away from public so that their decision remains unbiased in all cases and they are not influenced by public opinion. Considering the fact that the case involved huge amount of public who were following the case since it was being telecasted live on television, almost all evidences were against Simpson. Around 72 witness, witnesses, each, each other one stronger than before. The evidence was technical and circumstantial, relating mostly to of results of blood, hair, fiber, and footprints analysis from Bundy crime scene and Simpson's rocking home. The most compelling testimony, if one assumed the accuracy of the testing, concerned two RFLP tests. So the first test in indicated that the blood found at the crime scene could have come only from one out of 170 million sources of blood and that O.J. Simpson fit the profile. The second came from the blood on two black socks at the foot of O.J.'s bedroom. According to the prosecution's testimony, only one out of 6.8 billion sources of blood matched the sample. Nicole Brown Simpson might well be the person on earth where blood matched the blood found on the socks. On cross-examination of prosecution's DNA expert, the defense had little choice but to begin to develop the theory that either the blood samples were contaminated or they had been planted by corrupt police officers. A few prosecution disasters had surely taken place. First of all, the evidence was not at all preserved well. Contamination of blood samples tampering with evidence was something which was very easy. Cross-questioning was also not done properly. Another blunder which was which was making which was was the making of the glove the most important evidence of the case. The prosecution asked Simpson, in full view of jury, to try on the gloves worn by Nicole, Nicole's killer. Simpson seemed to struggle with the gloves, then said, they don't fit, see, they don't fit. Later it would turn out that there, was, there were good reasons why they didn't fit. The gloves might have shrunk because of the blood while preserving. They were stored in and while preserving, they were stored in cold storages, so it was possible that they had shrunk. Later, the defense counsel would offer the memorable refrain, If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. A field trip that included the jury and the judge was undertaken. The defense had, early on in the trial, realized how the race issue played to its advantage on a jury that included nine African Americans. The trip to the crime scene and Simpson's Rockingham home was intended to provide the jury with a better basis for understanding the testimony concerning locations, bodies, gloves and socks. The defense saw it as an opportunity to put favorable spin on Simpson's life. Both the jury arrived at Simpson's home and down came a picture of Paula Barberi, OJ's girlfriend. In its place, up went a Norman Rockwell print from Johnny Cochran's office that depicted a black girl being escorted to school by field marshals. Pictures of Simpson standing with golfing buddies were replaced with pictures of his mother and other black people. A Bible was also installed conspicuously on an end table in the living room. The tour seemed to go wonderfully well for the defense. Simpson's daughter, Arnell, took the stand for the first time 
in the witness box. She would be she was followed by Simpson's sister and his and his mother. By the time Simpson's mother finished her testimony, it was apparent to some courtroom observers that the jury members were showing more empathy for the Simpson family and for the families of the victims. The jury only spent three hours deliberating the case that had produced 150 witnesses over 133 days and had cost $15 million for the trial. As America watched, watched the case, Ito, that is the judge, his clerk, Deidre Robertson, announced the jury's verdict. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, O.J. Simpson, not guilty of the murder. The Simpson trial demonstrated the polarized polarization of ra racial attitudes on issues such as law enforcement that still existed in the country. It may be for that, more than anything, that the trial will always be remembered. But it had other effects. It created a greater awareness of domestic violence issues, provided lessons in how to run a criminal trial, slowed the trend toward the use of cameras in courtrooms, and created a new type of immersion, immersion journalism that still flourishes today.